The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. Welcome to Metagamers Anonymous, a program dedicated to tabletop role-playing games and mostly related material and a presentation of Prismatic Tsunami. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. And uh, uh, I'm some hack you've probably never heard of named Mikey Mason. <laughs> we got Mikey Maya. on the show! Well, How you doing, man? I'm all right. I feel I feel good, man. I uh, it's probably all of the uh, adhes- spray adhesive fumes still in the room, but I feel great. And you have the most <laughs> balls out rad room in the room right now. I'm so. just saying it's uh, mm, is that some Arlax okay. you got back there? Or is that the good it, stuff? It, no, no, no. Oh, it's, okay. it's the cheap. It's uh, <laughs> all the all, all the non audio nerds just turned off. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying it's, it's the one dollar a square, twenty five for twenty five. Yeah, I've used it off before. Of Amazon. Hey, it's but good. It does the job. It, well, it's I mean, if you want to dev in the space, than nothing. Um, so there's there's that, and uh, but I mean, if you want the quick tour, I'll I'll take the camera off and show <laughs> it's you. It's just going to be like the corner, right? So this is yeah, it's just a corner. There's my Cult of Dun manifesto, but uh, mm-hmm. there there is my Samson Co One U mic that I use when I'm doing like Twitch sings or whatever, and and there's my H uh, six sound card, and I've got the two screens set up here that you're not going right. to be able to see. But up there is my beholder, and uh, <laughs> this this is the wall that becomes the green screen. Uh, if you see those hooks up there, uh, I can run, I can hang my green screen from those. Oh, cool! Uh, and then uh, there's there's the guitars, and that's uh, that's my uh, the cheat thing that I use. The uh, it's an iPad that I use solely for lyrics, lyrics. and chords. Oh, nice, nice. And, and the beer fridge that's incredibly within reach important. of the stool. And and then that is uh, that is the merch corner. That's where I keep merch. And Nick Alan Moore's beard is up in the corner, but you probably you can't see can't, that because of the light. Quite, yeah, it's cool. He's behind the hat mm-hmm. there. And then that is my X One S Studio bundle uh, with the baffle behind it and the uh, yep. the the S One or the SE X One condenser mic that I use for recording most of my podcasting stuff and and all of my uh, all your vocal all my vocals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, a game shelf and a game cabinet and more game shelves and more game cabinets, and uh, and there's other stuff. Over, I know you did. I noticed you didn't there. include a door, so I assume you live in here. That's the door right there. Oh, with the guitar oh, I thought case it was a guitar rack. Yeah. It's disguised yeah. as a guitar rack. Yeah, that's the light. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> We're doing good. And there's more lights and a, and a window because sometimes I need air. And there is my Christmas stocking. It's a Paul Stanley Christmas stocking. Oh, oh nice. But there you go. Now you've had the tour. <laughs> Thank you. A tour around Mikey's dungeon. Although it's not a dungeon because obviously you're on a, a floor that has light. That is true. Oh, uh, uh, there's a uh, big lights outside making it look every, like there's light it's and he's in a cave you know. every studio i've had in my home has always been in a basement so it's always there's no windows anywhere i always felt like it was like you know oh i would uh, i could not um there's could there's not a time there's not a watertight basement enough for me to say okay no you know what i i feel that man i feel that uh first band i was with that i was serious with we had a flood and uh, I mean, OK, so first of all, <laughs> this was out in Dodge City, Kansas. There was no moisture in Dodge City. So nobody expected a flood when the flood <laughs> happened it was because Colorado released water. And so the river, which was usually dry, you could you could fish for buffalo. I mean, there was nothing in that riverbed. <laughs> and I it, it was it, when when the water came down, it went everywhere. It went crazy. And the south side of Dodge City, colloquially known as South Dodge, suddenly flooded one night. And it was the craziest thing. And the, fortunately, the guy who's 
house we jammed at, his basement, he, I mean, he was on a hill. Yeah. So it's like it was up to him, but it still got flooded enough. And sure enough, my by the time I got there, because I was with the radio crew, so I couldn't move fast enough. Uh, by the time I got there, uh, half our band had already shown up and half the band that we were going to be performing with the next night <laughs> had shown up and was bailing our shit out. It was fantastic. Uh, you yeah. find out how, how much damage water could do really fast to things that you thought really were kind and not a big deal. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 There's, there's just no way I'd put... Uh, I and that's put without my, even thinking of the house, you know, yeah. walls and stuff. Oof. And since all my recordings on computers, and maybe back then yours weren't. All no, on yeah, computer, we had tapes. Yeah, task. <laughs> and actually, I kept whatever. all those offsite. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, we're real, real. <laughs> because you know, my I got comp- all all of my recording equipment, all my lighting equipment, all of my sound equipment is in uh, this room, uh, and all of and some of my uh, weaponry is in the room. Other weaponry is by the bed, uh, mm-hmm. so that if I hear somebody in the room who should not be in the room. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Practice sense. your barbaric yelp. I'm just saying, you know, you'll see a naked Mikey come bust in the room, wielding a wielding God's God's honest truth, wielding a short sword. I have one right by the bed. Nice. And, uh, well, that's not the only thing I have by the bed, but it's the handiest. <laughs> probably, probably the quickest, easiest to pick up and not cut something terrible off in the process. Uh, it's pretty sharp. <laughs> it's it's not a decorative short sword. It's it was made by a. It was actually forged. It wasn't ground. It's nice. a hand forged Ooh, Damascus. Nice. Damas- Damascus steel. Uh, I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm jealous now. <laughs> uh, and it was a gift too. I was so. going to ask. I was going to say you probably didn't buy it. <laughs> I did not. It was made by uh, a master, a master bladesmith, and uh, and he wanted me to have something in my car to protect me with. Um, and I said, well, it has to be short because you know. So he made me a car sword. That's a true nice. story. I have a car sword. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's glorious i take it off and hold it's got an ebony handle it's serious um oh, it's, it's amazing oh. and uh and i i just fondle it now and then but <laughs> do, do you travel with it uh sometimes sometimes yeah That's sometimes right. i don't sometimes i have other stuff with me and sometimes i'm stupid but now i mean trusting like, yeah nowadays it's like do you do you want to you want to keep a pocket knife in your car anymore right it's like yeah, yeah. Well, screwdriver's yeah. good enough yeah, do the job, right? In a pinch. Yeah, yeah, but you're not supposed to have uh, vodka. Mm-hmm. No, just don't have the container open. The screwdriver. Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> well, I was having a great time. Um, <laughs> Thanks for coming, Mikey. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. That was the tour. Now get out. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we invited Mikey over. We we wanted to get a chance to talk to him before TsunamiCon, because that's coming up October 16th, 17th, 18th. We're going to be doing it uh, uh, online and doing it live and virtual, um, proudly presenting gaming and entertainment all weekend long. Oh, yeah. And uh, Mikey's going to be showcasing for us like he usually does this time, probably from the uh, from the studio he's sitting in right now, but which is, is beautiful. <laughs> we have no complaints. And yes. we're going to be doing that live on Saturday night during the con. And so we wanted to make sure and get you on and, and kind of chat with you a little bit because any excuse to chat with you is always good. It's a man. I, <laughs> I wish I could just come hang out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> so do we. Yeah. That's, that's the, the curse of the times we live in. But, you know, you've made it to a, what, five out of six tsunami cons since the beginning. Yeah. 
right you're part of our legacy it's like when i was like planning this i was sitting here going okay so what am i doing that i'm I'm making this convention virtual right i'm how do i translate what we normally do into well i mean the obvious is gaming is online that's the thing we do now it's the thing everybody's doing now it's the pandemic it's the apocalypse we all game online because getting together is just a way to try and kill each other apparently so uh i i don't feel like that was a big big jump uh unfortunately that isn't true for every kind of gaming because a lot of our audience are like board gamers so then that was like the next challenge so we worked on that for a while and then it's you know what else do we do at the con we do our contests we do our miniature painting and we we you know what we don't usually do at the convention that a lot of conventions do is panels and that's because every time we've tried <laughs> nobody cares everybody wants to game because there's all these games yeah. going on and it's all right there and when you're not gaming you're in the dealer room or or you're getting something to eat or you're hanging out with all these awesome people who are right there (laughs) i think the the opportunity to do all that now from the comfort of your own computer so to speak hopefully it's comfortable for you is uh an opportunity i i want to i want to i want to look at it as an opportunity sure so it's certainly a limitation but we're all doing the best we can with what we got. And this is a, a, a pretty cool way to kind of twist this all up into an event and make something out of it. And you've so, already been doing live concerts. What about the online pub crawl? Uh, we're working on it. We're okay. working on it. Uh, we've, we've had some issues with the uh, wristband price because they say we have to include shipping. And then USPS <laughs> doesn't like what we want to ship very much. It's caused us some problems. It, we're working on it. I, I can't I just promise wanted anything. to. I just wanted to virtually outdrink Little Beard as well as <laughs> <laughs> you and I need to get on with Beard at some point and talk about doing a couple things at the con too for the fun of it. Cause, sure. Yeah, because he's he definitely wants to be interested, but he's had all that personal junk going on, so we haven't had a, a lot of really, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Talk lately, but uh, that's that's again living in the apocalypse, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. We're, we're, we, I was like, well, we could do an interview. We could do another interview. We haven't done that before. Um, <laughs> Never. My, one of my favorite stories is actually our very first interview because I actually, I don't know, um, <laughs> most of you I'm sure have heard it, but I know I mentioned on the show before, of course, I did it on the show. But the very first time I reached out to Mikey was after thinking, you know what? I, I wonder because you did um, Fear the Con every yeah. year. And are you still doing that? I mean, did you do that? Did you do anything with them this year? Did they when do they have convention? it. When they have it, uh, yeah. they yeah, I did an online show this year. I did an online show the last year. They had an online convention. Yeah, um, it's you know, it's one of those things. I've missed one, like much like Tsunami Con, I've missed one <laughs> since <laughs> I started doing it longer. Yeah, uh, but I started with their. I, I started at Fear the Con two, um, yeah. because I didn't know about it at one. I really wanted to make it out. I've not. I've not made it out ever, and it's it's about uh, what what is that about seven hour drive for us. It's not too bad from Wichita. It's about six for me. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Well, I mean, hopefully you get some sort of vibe. (laughs) Something out of it. (laughs) But, you know, when I first started going, you know, I got to game out of it. Yeah. I didn't have a gaming group at the time. And (laughs) it was the first time I had gamed in a few years. And that was worth whatever I paid to get there. Guaranteed. (laughs) Dan and the guys are such cool people. They are. And They're great guys. Lovely, lovely people. And I, I would great, love awesome to hang people. out with them some. And every year I've talked, every year I talked to Dan about, you know, hey, let me uh, let me make this trip out. And we'd, we'd chat about it a bit and we'd, I'd start making plans and something would happen and just kind yep. of fall apart. It's just, just far enough that I can't. I mean, since it's a place I got to worry about hotels and stuff, it's just, I got to take a lot into account. But 
nowadays, you know, we'll see what happens in the next couple of years, obviously. But um, my priorities have changed a little bit. I'm, I'm prioritizing conventions a lot more. I'm hoping that uh, I can make something out of it down the yeah. line. Because I've been, I've been actually going to more cons now. I go to Midwest Game Fest in Kansas City. I go to Genghis Con now every year. I go to, uh, which is out in Denver. I go to Cobalt Con in Colorado Springs. These are all my contemporaries. They're my people now. <laughs> They're people that run conventions. <laughs> How far is Denver for you? <laughs> right, seven hours. <laughs> sure is. But Genghis Khan is huge, man. Thousands yeah. and thousands of thousands of participants. I uh, so good. It's a big Savage Worlds Con, which is my jam. So. Oh, oh, ooh. I'm yeah. I'm friends with the uh, <laughs> with the blacks. So <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Clinton that's, Jody. <laughs> no, that's funny because Jody made a comment when I. <laughs> I, when I was sending out stuff, because we're doing kind of a virtual marketplace yeah. at the con. And so I sent out stuff on it with like, to show them what kind of page you could do. I made one for you, just with like, <laughs> your, with a video in there and like a, a banner that I made in there in the middle. And so like, you know, a thing about your latest um, product that you're selling on your site at the top, you know, links to that. So just yeah. wanted to show people what you can do with it because people aren't thinking outside the box. You know, they're just like, you see description and go, okay, I'm just going to put a couple lines in there. It's like, no, this is what people see when they click on the thing. So, you know, make it, make it count. Yeah. Damn it. So I, I sent, I've been <laughs> attaching that now. I took a screenshot of them and attaching that and sending it to people. She said, Mike, he sure does get around, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, did she, did she tell you how things. we met? <laughs> mm-hmm. Did she tell you how we met? No. Mm-mm. All right. So, uh, she and, uh, I think she, maybe she and Clint had both seen me either at Gen Con or Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. And so they knew who I was. And then we were, they were at Con Carolinas for their uh, Carolina gaming tables because they do gaming, right. gaming, gaming yeah. tables. Yeah. And uh, nice they were stuff. at Con, and also as gaming guests of honor because uh, Savage Rifts was just coming out. Right. Oh, because this was like two years ago then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, nice. so Savage Rifts was, I had either just come out or was just was going to come out. I'm not sure which one it was. Uh, I'm, you know, friends with a lot of people at Con Carolinas, and I was like bored, and I get in a day early, and and so I'm there on the day of setup. I'm there on the Friday, and I'm, you know, I'm me. I'm wandering around, and I walked into the dealers hall because I'm friends with the the gentleman who was running the dealers hall that year and ran it for years. And, and I mm-hmm. said, Hey, uh, is there anything I can do to help? I'm bored. And, uh, if there's somebody who needs some help, let me know. And he goes, well, uh, there are these game table people who need, uh, you know, help in if you want to help carry game gaming tables. And these are, <laughs> these are yeah, big, heavy, massive. well-made, beautiful gaming. So I go out and it's, it's, uh, Clint and Jody and their daughters and they're, you know, and, and, uh, Jody's not there, but it's Clint. And I, and I introduced myself and I said, Hey, uh, Dawson said that I should come out here and help you if you needed help. Cause I was, you know, and, and he was like, okay, yeah. And so I'm helping his daughters carry stuff in. And then, uh, I come back out with the cart that we're transporting. Cause these tables are going uphill somehow both uh-huh. ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and Jody goes, oh, my God, it's Mikey Mason. You're helping us take table. <laughs> Clint, why didn't you tell me Mikey Mason was helping us carry tables in? <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I'm nobody. I'm just, you seem like God. a nice guy. Oh, my God, it's Clint and Jody Black. You guys do Savage Worlds. <laughs> How come nobody told me I was helping you carry tables in? <laughs> you know, and, awesome. <laughs> I have I've never gotten a chance to meet either of them in person. We've Another done online online communication. Um, I've I've met Shane Hensley a couple three times. You know, uh, had a chance. I don't to talk think to him. I have. 
uh, and he's super nice too. But he, yeah. you know, he, he I, I, I just, uh, I'm just getting out there though. I just like I've never been to any of the big ones. I've never made it to Gen Con in all my life. You know, always wanted to since the the 80s when I was getting the mail or hobby shop catalogs and they had like the little ads for it and stuff in there. And, oh yeah, you know, early Dragon magazines and. It's like, man, I don't want to go to Gen Con. You're 12, kid. Shut up, you know. But back yeah. then, it would have been a little like more manageable. Now there's like 800 million people hanging out in the in the hall. But yeah, still, well, not this year. But yeah, um, Mikey, uh, I I was I was thinking I'd ought to reach out to, him. and you'd done some. Um, you'd done some. What was it? It was postcards of the dungeon. You'd done yeah. a bunch of spots on postcards of the dungeon. Uh, For a while, I was they they had me on they they pulled me on as a uh, as as a regular host towards the end yeah. of the run. Yeah, I thought that so, was cool. You know, and that's yeah. kind of where I got to know you a little bit. So I thought, oh, this would be fun uh, because one of my players, randomly one of my online group, had sent me a copy of the song that the, the best game ever. You know, mm. sent me the uh, link to the video, and I just kind of randomly. Uh, it's like I I know I've heard of him from somewhere and I didn't put together for a little while and then you know it's kind of like, oh yeah okay so so I'll contact Mikey so I emailed him and it turns out he was right here in town I was in Wichita at the Looney Bin <laughs> <laughs> and, and furthermore you said it was like the first time you'd ever been to Wichita that was my yeah it was my first time in Wichita yeah so the, so the <laughs> first how so, fate works the first weekend I reached out to him, he's like, yeah, you know, I, so can you do a, a like a spot on my podcast and we can hang out and talk and, and maybe do something for this? Because it was the first convention we were planning for that first year. Yeah. It's like, maybe do something for that. And he's like, yeah. So, so so he came over to the house and, and <laughs> sat there and, you know, and, and uh, played a couple songs in our den. It was at the old house, you know, where I had room. Oh, uh, yeah. I played a couple songs in there, and I, uh, you know, I uh, I hesitated to touch my guitar while he was hanging out, but it was a good time. <laughs> actually, he t- he he didn't bring one. I actually he used used my guitar. <laughs> that was right. It was my yeah. second time in Wichita. Uh, first time was uh, July of I'd have to remember because it was um, New Year's Eve. It oh, was ju- okay. It was not July. It was uh, January. December 30th to January 3rd, 29, 2009 to 2010. I'm looking at my uh Oh, wow. Yeah, that's quite a back. No, yeah, we met in like 2014. Yeah. So. Well, 2011 was my second time. That was July. That's why I thought, hold on, let me let me just keep flopping but, through here. But you were still, uh, doing, you were still uh, doing mainstream kind of comedy stuff then. Yeah, November sure. 1st through 3rd in 2012. Hold on, I'm almost there. Uh, <laughs> oh, May 15th to 17th. It was, so it was sometime in May 15th to 17th in 2014. That was there when you it go. was. Yeah, it was on Saturday. So I keep records 16th. of all this uh, because I knew it wasn't going to last forever, and so I wanted to remember stuff, and so... And since then, you've gone full time geek comedy. I have. You, uh, you, you now this full time is in. This is your job. And, and it's this. not just actually. I just I, I I even you know I mean comedy rock geeks in the name, but I I went kind of full time geek entertainer. Um, it's not all. It's most. Well, I don't want to say it's mostly not comedy, but it's um, at least half and half now. I just yeah. I'm a musician. Yeah. Yeah. I don't shy away from funny stuff, but I also uh, have started including anything that represents me, and that includes when I talk about my depression or when I talk about uh, the the yeah. downsides of being a geek or the genuine authentic you know the authentic parts like with uh, a song like "The Opposite of Cool" or um, so yeah, it's it's the whole gamut. 
Well, and, and the and, comedy opened up that audience for you, obviously. I oh, mean, absolutely. It, it gave you people right. that have connected to you, have bonded with you. So when you start putting out, you know, start pouring your soul into different types of art, people respond because there are people. We're people with real, with the same issues and the same problems and the same fears and Exactly. You know, I uh, I started same, doing, yeah. when I was at Fear the Con, the first two years I was at Fear the Con, I just did my regular stand-up act at Fear the Con. I yeah. didn't have any geek comedy. The third year I was there, it was Fear the Con 4. I debuted She Don't Like Firefly. It was March. It was in the middle of She Don't Like Firefly going viral. It had been mm-hmm. out for nice. less than a week, <laughs> maybe a week. Nice. And uh, and it was the on- that was the only geek song. And the next year I was there, I had a geek album, and it was all geek material uh, that I was <laughs> doing at conventions. And then, um, you know, the next year there was another album, and the next year there was another album. And I've done at least one album a year since. And Surreal, isn't it, man? Telling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Living the life, is. sir. Uh, it's a dream. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people think that, um, that there's only one way to make it. And that's, that's kind of frustrating. I don't know. It's not really that frustrating. I don't honestly care that much. Uh, yeah, I'm not super famous and I'm not super rich, but, uh, I'm making a living. I pay my rent making music, man. Yeah. (laughs) I pay the, I pay the, pay for the house. The, the bills get paid. And of course, you know, my partner Jody does, more than her share and has for mm-hmm. <laughs> decades. Jody, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because I wouldn't have ever been able to get to where I'm at without her help uh, and her support. And that's just, you know, whenever somebody asks me, uh, I want to be a stand up comic, what's your advice? I'd say, marry somebody with insurance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story. No joke, man. <laughs> So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, um, it's, it's a whole new world. And then, then COVID hit and, and everything came to a standstill and I was holding my breath and then my fans came to a whole new level of support Mm -hmm. and, uh, I'm feeling the love monthly, you know, and some of them can only give, you know, can only back. And I, I, they, I say give, they're supporting me at a dollar a month on my Patreon, right? Right. And a dollar a month doesn't seem like a lot, but when you have enough people giving a dollar a month, it's like Malcolm Reynolds says, you know, individually we're drops of water, but together we're a mighty wave. <laughs> and you get enough people, you know, I put out a song a week on my Patreon, and if you if you pledge back me at as little as a dollar a week, you get all the songs I put out on Patreon. Yep. Yep. You know, and there are people who are willing to take advantage of that. And, and man, I'm grateful because it's, it's, you know, the roofs, I put up foam. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can smell it from here, man. <laughs> oh, I can. Uh, I'm probably <laughs> rambling. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. Well, that's. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the fairies. Yeah. 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 I can see, I can tell. I can see too. Um so, so the cool thing is that you aren't you aren't just kind of another geek or comic out there. You are a gamer. You're you're one of our people. You're one of our crowd. We're all we're all kind of in this together, especially in the land of COVID. Oh sure, and, yeah. And uh, you so you still game every week. You run games every week, don't you? You, you run indie games. Oh yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, I run a game every week that has uh, my son, my youngest son. Uh, so our youngest son, Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. He's fifteen. Wow. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and, 
two friends that I met in 1992 at college or freshman orientation. <laughs> we were the three long hairs. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there were only three of us. You had hair. We all had, oh man, I had hair. <laughs> I had such hair. My hair was glorious. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so we was the, mine in 1992. <laughs> we were the three long hairs in metal t-shirts and black t-shirts, and uh, and so I know we, the crowd. Yeah, and I ended up being roommates with one of them, and in a band with the other. And uh, Sean, Sean, did holy the, crap, dude! Sean, Sean <laughs> did the well, <clears throat> but the my freshman roommate Scott, who and they're both at the gaming table. Uh, he did the entire all of the lead guitar on uh, Impotent Nerd Rage and half of it on Barbarian Jetpack. Sean did some of it on Barbarian Jetpack. Um, and mm. uh, and he's, he's the one who played the opposite of Cool Solo and Hatful of Sky and No Happy Endings. And um, yeah, he's fantastic. He comes with me to Dragon Con and performs there at the gaming table. An amazing woman named uh, Cassandra is at our gaming table, um, who I met running trivia at a bar. And uh, she just, she and her uh, soon to be husband turned out to be fantastic people. And she comes over in games. And uh, so we run a game every week. And currently we're doing Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is my uh, pet fetish right now. Oh, nice. Uh, but I'm loving it. Oh, hey, you're gonna you're gonna run a DCC funnel at the convention too. Oh yes, Saturday afternoon. Yes, I don't I know am. if the, it's probably full, but it's worth mentioning. I don't know if it is or not. There's there's a waiting list if anybody's interested. <laughs> 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 has got a chance to check it out. I, I've actually never played Dungeon Crawl Classics. I I know a lot of people that really dig it. Uh, we we could uh, we could just list. open it up because uh, the way it's set up is that it's <laughs> that every player because I think it's set up for I, what what did I say five people have five I, people I don't four? know right to look yeah six, maybe five or six yeah, yeah it's set at five. E- five each player gets uh, three to four zero level characters for the final. <laughs> and they are literally zero level characters with zero oh, no. level character starting equipment and zero level character 1d4 plus constitution bonus hit points <laughs> or stamina bonus sorry <laughs> 1d4 plus stamina bonus hit points right and you roll your scores as crom intended 3d6 down the line wow <laughs> And then you roll a random background. So you could be anywhere from an alchemist to a shaman to a gong farmer, which is the person who collects the poop from the bottom of the latrine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could even, if you luck out, be a squire and they start with a sword. (laughs) (laughs) But then you go on a zero level adventure, which is essentially a low level first level adventure, right? Uh, And several of them die. (laughs) <laughs> and nice. anybody who lives through it becomes first level <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and and then they pick their class whatever class they want as long as they meet the requirements of the class uh although if you're an elf you become an elf if you're a halfling right. you become a halfling if you're a dwarf right. you become a dwarf but uh other than that it doesn't matter what your stats are if you want to be a wizard you can pick wizard you may not be very good at it but you can pick it right, right? <laughs> You know, uh, and chances are uh, you may not have very good stats t- at, at all. <laughs> but I mean, we could honestly open it up, and instead of three to four zero level characters, just have one zero level <laughs> character. And when your character dies, sorry, <laughs> grab the next seat. <laughs> I, I, how do you think we should do that? I mean, we could. I mean, ultimately. We could try to explain that a little bit in the description, but ultimately people would show up and you just kind of got to let people know what's going on because if yeah. they don't get to play for a little while, 
you know? Um, yeah. Oh, I mean, no, no. What, what I would do is very simply, uh, I would like, if there were, if, if there were five players and I was giving them each three characters, right. Mm-hmm. Then we would just open it up to 15 players and they would all be there at the same time and they would start dying off. And then you there think, wouldn't be 15 you you players anymore. You think you'd handle it? <laughs> I, I handled it with uh, four players with four characters each. And each each character I just got mean their that's turn. A lot of people on the Zoom screen. That's all I'm no, saying. I got a I got a mute <laughs> button. <laughs> kind of, I'm right. sorry, your character died. You're muted. <laughs> all right, well, you guys hear, heard it here first. If you want to get in on Mikey's game and you thought you missed it, uh, go check it out again. There might be some seats now. It might not. You might not be in the game for very long. Let's be honest. It's. <laughs> If you're uh, watching us live on Twitch, don't get any rushes. I have not had time to go fix it yet. So. <laughs> Just so there, you know. There's one seat right now. Oh, oh there you go. There's, there's, there's one seat anyway. Eric's going to fix I, it and by post. By the time it becomes podcast. We actually have quite a few events. I mean, we we did get the Game Masters to kind of come out in droves, which is nice. It's obviously yeah. good to have options. And things always fill up really hardcore in the last week anyway. So. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what to expect yet, though, from the online attendance, because this will be an experiment for us. But I'm I'm at this point, just the sheer amount of excitement we've had from people, you know, that from everybody that thought we weren't going to get to do anything. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I think it's going to be a fun event. We're going to try to be live most of the weekend doing stuff. Um, some Rich, you said something about refeeding like the concerts and stuff. Like through our yeah, Twitch as I well. Should be able to pick up Mikey's and run it through our Twitch as well. Um, how does that work for, because people obviously have to be on his feed, don't they, to interact, to... Yeah, if they want to interact, yeah. they're going to have to If they want to interact that. with him, they'd have to be on his feed. So his feed will be the one listed in the in the but, notes. But if they want okay. to talk about me behind my back... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the way it works is uh, you could uh, raid or simply host my feed on yeah. your on your Twitch host, stream. Host and, the feed. When you do that, I think... Uh, I, I can't say for sure because I am uh, in technical speak. I'm an old. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, so am I. It seems like I'm an old. But I think that anything they type on your screen while you're hosting me, I get to see as well. Should get goes, to see goes that. Into your I chat. think that's right. I, I still need to look into. All I don't know of if that. we've done it yet. I don't know if you guys have done it yet because Richard and Jesse and they've they've been doing stuff on the feed that I haven't been there for. But but. I'll be doing clearly guilty at six central. Uh, and they're scheduled to end about an hour before yours. That and sounded way dirtier than you probably intended, but they would have appreciated that very much. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they'd be cool. Yeah. We we uh, you we just had said a brief... I'll be doing clearly guilty at six. <laughs> I know what I said. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we had I a love brief... them too. Six Mikey, you're not the only Patreon I support. Um, we had a very brief <laughs> ninety some odd minute conversation with them a couple weeks ago. I submit a very brief night. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I, I support their Patreon as well. They're fantastic. They are. I love them so much. So Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so anyway, point is, Mikey's a gamer too. So we thought we could do another, we could do yet another interview, which we probably just did pretty much for the last half hour. Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. I, I, um, wanted to, I wanted to chat with you. I want to give you a chance to kind of talk to our people and, you know. I'm a talker. It's, it's all good. Uh, Ooh, so, yeah. I just got an update. Hold on. What's that? Uh oh. I just Uh-oh. got an update from Valentine Wolf. They're uh, getting ready to send me uh, tracks for the EP that's coming out. I need to read this whole one. You said Ooh. you were doing art, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already did the art. Yeah, that's nice. Right. Mm-hmm. See the art? 
right. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me see. Uh, so uh, we thought we'd just have him on the show. One of the hosts of the show. We got, we not, got stuff to I'm talk about. I'm not mad. You've made other mistakes. Yeah, it's not the first time. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> literally edited it all out of the... Oh, yeah. uh, J- Jason's been here since the beginning. He should know. Yeah. I'm one but, of the earliest mistakes. <laughs> Just let that sink in. <laughs> so you're saying he owns his mistakes and uh, and you're still around. Is that what you're yeah. saying? He is still around. There I'm was proud about of you, a, Jason. There, there was about a year and a half in the middle that I kind of got off the show for a while. <laughs> and then COVID happened uh, and we came back. Oh, oh sweet. Nice. That's awesome. Nice. Going close and it's... In shadow, in shadow, Mikey Mason featuring Valentine Moore. Love it. <laughs> I like That's it. That's pretty. That, the scripting on that is beautiful. Thank you. I try. <laughs> you, you and I are going to do some music together, right? That's, yes. That's still on the docket. Yeah. We've tried, and uh, it's not like I'm not putting out music. I am sitting, sitting on three albums worth of material, and I'm talking three full albums worth of material, and it, none of it, very little of it's in its final form. Uh, you know, only two or three songs are over 9,000. And uh, <laughs> thank you. One Dragon Ball. Thank you, Vanessa. I it's appreciate a small that. Crowd, was you, dude. wasn't it, Vanessa? Wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was you. All right, <laughs> one of She's you got it. One. That's all I care. <laughs> that joke was just for you, Vanessa. That was twenty five percent of your current I'll audience, take it. sir. I'll take it. <laughs> that's a pretty good rate, uh, honestly. Yeah, that's that bad. was way more than Richard hit with. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought the stun shock expressions was worth it. I, uh, I, thought, I, I it thought it was funny though. Yeah. Mikey had a song last time I talked to him. He had a song uh, a few weeks ago. He said, uh, you know, you ought to do... Uh, I think you were like, you beating your head against the wall on the guitar tracks for a while. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, you, ought, you ought to do a lead for me. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I, I, I listened to the tune, and it was, a, it was a beautiful tune. And I loved the final version, by the way. It is really gorgeous. It's very haunting. I love the way it turned out. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you. I, and it, But it was really fun also to work on it a little bit, because you sent me what you had, and I'm sitting there listening to it. I'm going, I've got, I've got ideas... But then I'm sitting looking down at my amplifier, which hasn't gotten much of a workout this year, and the the tubes need a little bit of replacement <laughs> at this was point. This, it's noisy. Was this the one from the flood? No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, no, unfortunately. <laughs> I've had it a while, but not quite that long. All right. But uh yeah, I I was uh I was dicking with it and it's like, God, it's so noisy and I'm not I'm not liking it. And so I, but I liked some of what I was getting out of my brain on yeah. it. And I, I sent him some preliminaries like I'm, I'm struggling, but I wanted to let you know where my what kind of direction I'm going. So here's kind of a little bit of cuts. And the first thing he says is, heck, says, you know, can you clean it up? <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, <like>, sure. <laughs> clean it up a little bit. <laughs> I fixed that problem. I'm selling that amp. <laughs> Anybody want a tube amp that needs some replacement? Uh, it's actually a beautiful. It's a wonder, It's a wonderful amplifier. I've had it can, forever. But can it's you vintage. sell it as a feature? Or if, if you do yeah, grunge, right. this is your amp. Yeah, dude. Uh, you know, a little <laughs> microphonic around the edges. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's atmosphere. You know, the problem is, is the good tubes are made in Russia, so they're getting harder and harder to get. Mm. I just I've been uh, I've been using tube amps for years. So now that I, I went to that, uh, I showed you. I went to that uh, that uh, pedal system. I got yeah. that uh, head rush. And I mean, I, and that's that solid took, state, though, right? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to save a few box tops for that one, though, man. 
It was wasn't cheap, and uh, I got it's got like this. Um, I bought this uh, eight inch two thousand watt freaking little cab for it. The headrest cells. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. 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 Amazing. And so I, I'm I'm still going. Okay, this has like a thousand different sounds I can do with this thing. And so now it's analysis paralysis, which is what everybody goes through with these things. You know, because you have all these options. It's got all these. You could build like ten stomp boxes in it with different effects and different. You know, in addition to hundreds of cabs and uh, and amplifiers and mic placement and all kinds of stuff. Yep. I'm loving it, but I'm loving it slowly. <laughs> and then there's the learning curve. There's yeah. the learning curve for getting new gear or, or, or new software or whatever. So, and especially if it's super functional. So, <laughs> you know, even, even if it's not as functional, there's a learning curve, but if it's super functional, there's a huge learning curve. The beautiful thing is though, that by the time you're ready to do something else, the next time you send something to me and say, Hey, I need some guitar work. I will be able to return it with a plum <laughs> and a tad bit cleaner rendition in the process. I think uh, I think it'll be good. I appreciate it though. Thank yeah, you. but we do we did we did do some stuff together. I I really I really love your music and um, you do you do do some kind of bluesier stuff sometimes that really speaks to me and the way I, I play uh, and you know, I'm a that's blues part and metal of my guy, wheelhouse. So, that's yeah. that's part of my wheelhouse. I've got a yeah. voice for it at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you but, do uh, have a voice for it. <laughs> um, what was the name of that song? Annab- Annabelle Lee. Annabelle Lee, that is the uh, and it, that song was actually written by Valentine Wolf. It's it's one of their tracks, and we've we played it together at, at several conventions. They're a gothic chamber metal band. Um, I could tell she, she is uh, she is uh, she is a, a music theory or music composition major who is mm-hmm. also an unqualified soprano badass. Wow. Um, and and he plays double bass for the Greenville Symphony Orchestra. Who's a performance nice. major for double bass, and nice. so he plays bowed double bass through distortion pedals. And they mm-hmm. program all. They, they're like big fans of Nightwish, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I hear the <laughs> influences. Can, oh man, and they're just badasses. They're just musical. And in addition to being awesome people, and and so uh, I was like, do you guys mind if I? cover annabelle lee but do it you know <laughs> Dude, different i was working on the song and had it stuck in my head for hours uh, hours even so, after you said hey i don't need you i just had uh, it stuck in my head for hours well after and, uh, after i got yeah. that I, I went back and, and and i just uh braxton mentioned maybe playing on the song and braxton's mm-hmm. the double bass player bo and he said uh well may, maybe i could play on it <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, go ahead. And he sends me these tracks, and I'm like, I don't know that there's room for anything else in this because that yeah. it's already such a heavy no. mix. Yeah, no, it sounded point. great. And so, oh, I so, told you never to share that, Eric. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Showed up on your Patreon. Uh, yeah, next week. I remember I pay to be a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Um, <laughs> oh man, I was just trying to give Eric a hard time. <laughs> it's worth, it's worth <laughs> noting, by the way, that. I didn't get, I didn't even, I didn't get to hear the final version until it came out on your Patreon. Uh, so, so until it dropped, but uh, is that going to be on an upcoming disc or anything? You got a, you got a plan that, for that? Or? That is the, 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 the art you just saw in yeah. shadows. Mm-hmm. That was the one song that anchors them all together. There's another song that's got some, uh, that's very pink Floydian that I'm waiting on guitars back from Scott Lindell. Nice. Uh, it's called insomnia and it was written during February album writing month. So, um, if you're on my Patreon at any level, you can probably go back and find it if you want to hear it. Uh, if you if you haven't heard it yet, um, 
then there's uh, Jonah Knight's Sleepy Little Creepy Little Town, which the final version of that, the second to final version of that was on my <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> I uh, I remixed the bells. Uh, so at the end, there are so not a huge church difference. bells, and they're getting panned left and right. And in the beginning, mm. I made sure that the church bells that are ringing uh, kind of in with everything right. else instead of just being little little nitpicky things that I want. And then – so that's uh, Insomnia, Annabelle Lee. Oh, then there is a song from the 1400s called The Unquiet Grave, which I did a bare-bones version of on Patreon and realized that I don't want to do it like Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. And so there is a much, there is a version that is much more akin to um, Annabelle Lee. I think I'm going to like this album, man. <laughs> it's, it's an EP. There are only five songs, and oh, the fifth one is called "In Shadow," um, and it's about um, dark things who wait all year to walk in their own skins on All, Hall- all Hallows Eve, um, and you know the the price of joining them. So that's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, that's that all five songs. Awesome. <laughs> so, and uh, thank you. Uh, and uh, but in the meantime, I've I've got this other because I'm wait all, at at this point, all I can do is wait for tracks to come back. So I'm sending other tracks. I've started already started sending other tracks off because I had briefly considered doing a, an album in September, an EP in October, an album in November, an album in December because I've got the material. I'm like, you know what? I would rather just treat give them the treatments they deserve. So the EP is getting a little bit of a rush, but I'm going to put out another album probably in late November, early December. Um, and then uh, sometime next year, I've got two more albums of stuff already written, and I'm putting out music every week. So there's more busy. stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm happily busy, man. <laughs> I'm happily busy. And the thing the thing about doing a, a song a week is it doesn't have to be a winner. Uh, and, and I say that because it doesn't mean it's not good. It may never make an album. It right. just might have a super limited appeal to who likes it, right? But you're, you're giving yourself that that work. You're, you're giving yourself that sort of like here's 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 a deadline. Here's something arbitrary. I need to do something every week. Uh, yeah. It's got to meet some sort of quality standard of mine, right? And so you're putting that out there. It's so it's making you work. It's making you be creative. I mean, because exactly. not everybody has good good days every week. It's it's but, it's exercising the craft. That's yeah. exactly what it is. So and sometimes sometimes you're gonna do like you said. Sometimes you can knock it out of the park. You're gonna get done and go. Oh my god, where did that come from? Yeah, and that's that's the beautiful thing about art is it's it's so unpredictable so much of the time. Uh, and that's also the hellish thing about art is you're like, <laughs> I just want to get back to where that came from. <laughs> that's, it's, yeah, I mean it's the same sort of stuff I deal with as a writer. It's just kind of like every every week you got to make yourself sit down and put in the words, and sometimes you end up uh, subtracting them all. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true, enough, and it's it's a lot like role playing games because mm-hmm. not every session is the best session. You know, for example, we're going to have one today. <laughs> I've got one tomorrow. Uh, last week we didn't have any combat in our session at, at the game, and it was a fantastic session. Yeah, right. And and that doesn't always happen. Uh, neither of those two things always happen. Even if there is combat, it's not always a fantastic session. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Um, but but even with you know even when you put in all of the things that you know your players love. You know, and you know that I've got these in my pocket and I can throw these out. It doesn't guarantee a Fanta. You know, somebody can have an off day and any one of those cylinders not firing. If nobody else picks up the slack, then it's going to be an off game or anything can happen to go wrong that kind of 
throws it off and you just can't guarantee you can have you can have the best recipe in the world and that doesn't stop it from going wrong at some point. <laughs> Look at you, Jason. <laughs> oh, speaking of things that might never see the light of day, I have told at least five more people in various unpleasant circumstances to season their potato salad. <laughs> season your potato salad, Karen. <laughs> wow. And I smile, and they get confused, and no one's offended, and we go about our business, and life is good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm going to get letters. So, um... <laughs> Why would it be you? It's my song. <sighs> the song is The Fuckser, and... <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> And you can find it at patreon.com slash Mikey Mason for as little as a dollar a month. <laughs> Links are in the show notes, guys. Links are in the show notes. Uh, let's talk gaming a little bit on our gaming podcast, just because we can. I tried. Yeah. He was uh, talking so, about gaming. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're there. Uh, so when I, I uh, touched base with Mikey this week about doing this, doing the show and coming on, which, uh, by the way, for anybody listening, was a surprise to everybody else on the show. Surprise! I, I actually <laughs> yeah. was trying to time it so that he came on after everybody else, and Jason was being a butt and put off coming online. So I'm sorry, dinner was <laughs> l- lunch was on the wrong side of town today. So uh, so everybody's waiting on Jason. I thought, oh, this is kind of perfect actually. And then and then Mikey pops in with his animated looking Mikey icon on the on the Zoom, <laughs> and Richard stops mid sentence. Whatever it is he was talking about at the time, his brain. You, you see, yeah, that's the one, and you see his brain go completely <laughs> blank. <laughs> That's that's like, not Jason. What is Mikey doing on my Zoom? I mean, you can come into my Zoom anytime you want. And I mean anytime you want, but I was not so I was not ready for that. And then I, told, I I popped in and I squealed before I even got my camera on. Yeah, I, I told Mikey, I said I, I wanted to be surprised, you know, because I thought you guys would get a charge out of it. And because uh, we're all friends here and we're all fans. So, you know, I would reboot my streaming computer and made sure it wasn't going to have streaming issues. But, you know, whatever. (laughs) I'm sorry. Which is also a fun thing, because having gotten to know you over the years and and still being able to love the art you do and and appreciate the things you do, knowing where it comes from. I mean, it really you're very personable. You're very accessible as an artist anyway. Yeah. But it it really is uh, made a difference, I think. And we've I've watched that now with so many fans. You know, over the last several years, who come to I the just, convention? Let's be honest; I haven't got successful enough to be a dick yet. I'm we, uh, sure <laughs> you have your aspirations to dictum, but it's oh, it's fine. Oh, I will. It's oh, fine. Well, one day I'll be like, who? I want to say uh, <laughs> one of the I, some of the coolest relationships I have developed over the last several years have been because of the convention, and that's not unexpected because we all share a passion. But this is not one I could have predicted. This this is not a relationship I could have predicted, and so it's it's been really great to you know getting to watch everybody else uh, fall in love with your music and uh, enjoy getting to know you the this the way that they have at at our shows at our at our convention at, at, at whenever else I've gotten to go see you whenever we hang out and stuff and you, you treat everybody as so well and I don't I don't see a lot of dictum in your future no matter you know what level of fame you get to but um, I wouldn't blame you in the least if you do <laughs> I have. 
I have one job when I'm at a convention, and I, uh, you know, I, I say this often, and I mean it. My job at a convention is to make it the best experience possible for everyone involved, including the staff, the organizers, the volunteers, uh, and like everybody. If I'm there, my job is to make it good for everybody. And that is so important. And you know, the the, the nice thing is is that it is the the same paradigm in which the people that do run these conventions because hardly anybody makes a dime doing any of it. I mean, most right. of the people at all these events are volunteers. You, yeah. And, and, and us as organizers, we don't make a dime doing it either, but you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of um, important that people understand that how, how unusual and how great that message is because it's the same with gaming. The, the thing I've been telling people forever when they ask me, what is it that, you know, what is it that makes a great player? And my first response, it's not even something I have to think about anymore, is I want the people at my table to be there to help everybody else at the table have a good time. Your job is to empower everybody to enjoy the experience as much as you want yourself to be able to enjoy it. Plain and simple. And if you're not there for that, if you're not there for that, it's going to damage the experience for you as well. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it really does kind of expand from there into the community. The community, it, it, we all work by the same rules because it's the hobby is a reflection of life in that way. I don't think that's really a lot to ask. So I'm glad you have that attitude, obviously, because it, it does make a difference. And, you know, you're, you're a real pleasure to work with. And I'll vouch for you with anybody who ever wants. You, you need a, ref- a reference, you know, you just let me know. Actually, I've written you references before, haven't I? You have. <laughs> yeah, that's actually good. I've I just asked. thought of that. Yeah, I need I, people to think I'm okay. Can you? Uh, can I you write that for down for too. me? It's like, I just thought that was funny. It's like <laughs> I have a reference from Eric. Than... Eric, who? Yeah. Eric <laughs> Not important. He runs an event. <laughs> True. So I tell people a regular recurring event. <laughs> yeah, one that actually happens every year. This is a this uh, is a, not a one and doneer. This this one happens. That's a good. To, to be fair, years. it happens on the sheer uh, the sheer willpower to make it happen. I mean, there's there's not a dime that goes into this that we don't have to raise from the community somehow. There's every but, you year. know what that's. <laughs> I mean, that's so, part of it. That's part yeah. of you know that's part of doing anything. That's yeah. you know you the willpower to make it happen. Well, you know, I, I suppose it'd be nice to have the money to make it happen too. But I, I'm not bitching. Not at this point. If you had the money, maybe you wouldn't have the desire. You'd be like, I, was, I could be in Cancun. You if right. I was better at picking numbers, <laughs> I, I'm Shit, just man. saying we'd have the do money. I wanna, do I want to run a gaming convention where everybody will dress up like a pirate, or do I want to buy a ship and rum and go to Cancun? <laughs> um, why not both? <laughs> and dress up like a pirate. Both? <laughs> and run both? a gaming convention on a ship. On a ship. I, like in pirates. Cancun. <laughs> All the way to Cancun. It's like, let's do it. Like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> The Carnival Cruise. <laughs> Pretty Just sure we're all on board, dude. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, God, I need more rich friends. So uh, I'd settle too. for one. Yoink out the casino and replace it with game tables. <laughs> right. I'd, I'd settle yes. for one. Just, Just one, one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well. Alas, I'm the rich friend, but that's just in name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we'll take it. It's okay. You're not the rich friend. You're the friend rich. There's a difference. <laughs> I'm more like the punisher than anything. So, uh, so uh, that's all the time I have for today. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, are you are you serious to get to go? 
No, I'm no, no. <laughs> I'm not, just I'm like just... rehashing old jokes. It's a Mikey thing. Uh, it's a callback. That's a professional. Just, just making thing. sure. Oh, okay. I just right. want to make sure I'm reading. I'm not reading between the lines here. No, Ian no. Alan Moore's beard. When I do it, it's a professional thing. When somebody else does it, it's hack. Yeah, that's that's fair. I'll, I'll take it. So. Uh, one of the things we talked about was kind of gaming topics because, you know, I like to I like to have a topic in a show. Just, sure. Just so that we can say we talked about something gaming related. I remember uh, this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, so, you know, give this give this a minute. Think about it. Do you have anything that's come up in your games? That's where we mine, obviously, ideas for our show. We've been doing this freak podcast for over eight years now. We've talked about everything. You know, when it comes to gaming, there's there's not a lot of mysteries to be uncovered at this point. So what we do talk about is the experiences we have and what we can get from them. Our yeah. gimmick has always been immersive role play. It's uh, from the very beginning. The show is about uh, that particular niche kind of play style. You know, what can we do to get more into character, more into the story, more into the gaming, the experience of this, those elements of the gameplay? Mm hmm. And kind of work around the things that try and take you away from that. Not yeah. well, not ignore them. You know, not reduce their their importance. Just find a way to to have that in in a character experience that we want to have. And because that stems from players that at the time, like Jason and you know my wife Jonica, our friend William, who was on the show for the first few years. There, there was this kind of um, focus at our gaming table in trying to create this dramatic, you know, character experience and watch them grow. And we, we do a lot of these long campaigns, you know, last, that go like four or five years. And they, they have a, a lot of character development in them where they're very different people at the end than they were early. And that you can you can really track a lot of the twists and turns that got them there and how they changed as people based on their experiences and their relationships and their their victories and their defeats, you know, because it's, yeah. it's all very important to that story. So, yeah, I was really, really happy when you said um, that you had a, a thing that you had uh, been considering lately and it fell, it seemed to fall kind of squarely into that, that little kind of wheelhouse in a way. Absolutely. Because it's uh, it's a very real problem that uh, as we, we talked about here and there a little bit before, but there's no real answers to this one. It's one of those that <laughs> all you can do is try to find, try your best guesses, right? Right. So um, you want to go ahead and talk about it a little bit? Sure. And, and um, what kind so, of got you there? Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, is, a lot of people call it a retro clone, uh, but right. it is not a retro clone. Uh, not in a not in any rules way. Um, it's got enough differentiation in the rules that I don't I can't see it being a ret what it does clone is the feeling of that first time gaming when you didn't know everything. Because you don't walk into the dungeon knowing that green slime, you, you use fire and what a rust monster is. And, you know, because that's the thing, you know, you're figuring out what are kobolds, what are goblins, uh. how, how dangerous are they, whatever. And everything is different, right? What do the different colors of dragons mean? Do you remember the first rust monster in the, in oh, the yeah. Wolfe red box set in the, the, oh, yeah, basic, yeah. the basic adventure? Um, I've still, I still have one. Uh, I think it was. I haven't approached it with a therapist yet, but I've got issues that I got to work <laughs> right. out about Bargle. You oh know, my Bargle. God. Oh Bargle, my God. I've, ne I've never got over Bargle the thief. Fuck that guy. And, right, uh, right, you yeah. know, 
And Alina the cleric? Oh, hell yeah. Look. <laughs> and that, <laughs> but, um, so, um, but, but it does recreate that very well, that sense of wonder, that sense of experiencing things for the first time, because it is that different. And it is also at the same time, the same. So right. there's this comfort in it, the same comfort you, you, Drew in when you first started playing Dungeons and Dragons because you knew Tolkien or you knew fantasy in general and you're like, oh, I feel right at home in this setting. And so I, I get this to this degree, but there was, there were new things to discover and, and, and that sense of uncertainty, that sense of unsurety is something that Dungeon Crawl Classics wants to push upon the players, impress upon the players at every level. And they don't have challenge ratings like in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> you find out if it's an appropriate challenge by not dying. You know, that's the way we did it. Back, <laughs> yeah, Uphill both right. ways, five feet of snow. Yeah. And, but no, but they literally, they, they say your, your players will figure out when they should run. Mm-hmm. And if they're, mm-hmm. if they're players who think, well, my, my game master wouldn't put me up against something. Well, <laughs> let me tell you this. There is nothing in the rules. There are, there are no rules blocks that tell you how to make it a level appropriate encounter for your players. They say, this is an interesting monster. Here's how, or, or, or opponent. Here's how to make them more interesting and mysterious. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, if, if it's too powerful, then your players should probably run. <laughs> See, Jason and Vanessa missed out on these days and they with the original D and D, but the the way we just discovered how or the way we determined how bad uh a, an area was or an opponents were back then was what level of the damn dungeon you were on. Yeah. Because the deeper you went, the tougher the, it got. The more hit dice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the higher the armor class. And so and and this is a thing that I have as a game master, as the judge, uh, is what they call it in, in Dungeon Call Classics. But um so I have for years been making level appropriate encounters and realized that both from I, you know, my players are conditioned that I'm not going to present them with anything they can't overcome. I and, don't have that problem. <laughs> and uh, that, well, sorry, that they don't have a chance of overcoming or that I don't telegraph from the beginning that they should probably go. There is that. There is that. Because um, that because it feels like you're somehow doing a disservice, doesn't it? Yeah. In, it look, in, the, in the regular game. It looks game. like a rabbit, right? It's a little white rabbit. Look at the bones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but, and so that it's a, it's a thing as, as a game master, as, as the judge, I'm learning exactly what they're capable of because it's new to me too. So I get that sense of wonder too. So it's fantastic, right? All the way around that sense of discovery that you thought you'd lost in games. It's there. It's in a game called dungeon crawl classics and you roll your eyes at it maybe because you think it's a retro clone, but I'm saying try it. And by the way, start by rolling three D six straight down the line and take what you get. Um, (laughs) Just just as a thought, a thought experiment, and we can revisit this obviously, but um, we do an AP showcase on Friday nights live Mm -hmm. on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Where we do like a, a live, you know, four-hour game session, one-shot game session or something. Sure. Would you be interested in presenting DCC for us? Maybe. One of those? If you, if you could win a Friday evening free? It's possible. It's possible. We'll talk about it. I just, I just I, thought I'm not entirely fun. averse to such an idea. <laughs> anyway, so the, the thing, because, because, because DCC has me falling back into a lot of the tropes that I experienced uh, as a new gamer, 
one thing that I've kind of stayed away from, from a, for a long time were uh, traps and puzzles. Right? It's, how do you de- how do you determine when a character? As soon as you start having a character check for traps, then all of a sudden the paranoia sinks in, or then you get puzzles. And the big dilemma with puzzles is you have one or two people in your party who loves puzzles, and everybody else is sitting there making the jack off motion because they just want to kill something, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so uh, how do you handle that? And and I I, I have several different ideas on the subject one of them was as simple as uh having them make a check to see how long it would take them to solve the puzzle and then have monsters attack while they were busy solving the puzzle so it's going to take it's going to take it's going to take this character five rounds to solve the puzzle uh but uh, they have to have all five rounds to concentrate on it, and these monsters are going to try and kill you while they're doing it. And so you're, you, everybody else's job is to keep that player able to concentrate for five consecutive rounds on the puzzle. <laughs> wow. Um, so that's interesting, but it also it nerfs one of your characters. It leaves one of your characters with nothing to do, right? So how do you handle it? And, and that, you know, I've, I've, I can tell you how I've been handling, but how do you guys handle it from a, from a player's perspective or a game master's perspective? Um, where do you draw the line? Because I know that the, the rule is as long as everybody's having fun, it's fine. But the problem is with puzzles and puzzle traps, almost always not everybody's having fun. That's, that is the inherent problem is not everybody's having fun. More than anything else in uh, the, um, the, the kind of the classic elements of uh game, particularly fantasy, heroic fantasy gaming. Mm. Uh puzzles, traps to a lesser extent, but but puzzles, riddles, anything that requires the players to bend their brain to solving the problem that in a way that has largely nothing to do with their characters mm. is problematic for role playing. Sure. If if you uh if you approach the gaming experience in a very gamey way, then it feels very much like it fits, and that's where it comes from. Obviously, is that joy of okay? Right now, I'm getting the uh, the joy of rolling dice and seeing what kind of monsters I can munch and what kind of treasures I can get. Next, I will see if I can solve this little riddle that we're going through, and then and then we'll go on to whatever the next thing is. Yeah. And there is um. So, so I, I, there is a style of play that obviously this feeds to very nicely and isn't a problem in as much as you're going to run into exactly what you just said regardless. You're going to have one or two people at the table who relish it, are good at it. You know, not everybody is Jason. You, you're going to have other people that are going to be sitting there twiddling their thumbs, waiting on that person to do his job so they can get through the door and kill whatever's on the other side of it. Yeah. So uh, inevitably, there's, there's that. In, in, as a role player... You know, as, as, a, as a game master that focuses on a very immersive experience, the last thing I often want is anything that forcibly takes the players out of the game. Mm-hmm. And whenever you present an idea or a construct that requires the players to rely on their own wit, you are taking that chance. Now, in a, in a way, this isn't a lot different than uh, cha- any other challenge that doesn't rely solely on the dice. Which means that any challenge that comes up with a player describing things or dictating things or role-playing things in a specific way. Social challenges are a really good example, of course. Whenever you are in a situation where you are talking to somebody, some people are more eloquent than other people. You know, just like figuring out a puzzle, some people are smarter or or more intuitive than other people. 
and and I I guess you could kind of you know pander to the people that are really good at tactics and say that some people are going to be better at combat too. But there's so much of that that depends on the dice rolls. Yeah. Because when you build a character in most traditional role playing games, you are determining up front what they're good at. Yeah. And if they're good at combat stuff, your ticket's already written for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to really vary that game a lot for there. In fact, it's one of the frustrating things. I, t- I think I, I talked about this on a recent show. You watch like um, a movie and you get these cool cinematic scenes where someone wades in with their sword and then they throw around punches and kicks and they throw a rock and they, they you know, do some cool maneuver with this and they, they, they hit that and they, they do all these things. But in a combat scenario in a D&D game, you're usually going to see the guy with the great sword just swing his great sword every round again and again and again and again. And maybe the player's creative about it. Maybe the player describes different swingings of the great sword every round. Sure. But, but that's the game, how they get the best chance for the best results. Exactly. The game punishes you for trying to do anything except what you are best at. Yeah. Which is a problem with the the the, the paradigm, not with the construct. You know, it, it's a problem with the rules not with the way you play them. And there are ways around that. You can decide on ways to handle that in-game. You can, as a game master, decide you want to, you know, alleviate that pressure so much or reward people in other ways for being creative. But it, it still re- it requires engagement. It requires a level of engagement back and forth that engages their brain and expects them to be personally invested in what's going on and creative. And that isn't always what people want or, or what people need. Then that's the important part. In, in, yeah. in combat... You only need to be able to roll the dice. You don't have to engage yourself beyond that. And some people, obviously, you know, even good role players on, on bad days, sometimes that's as far as you're going to get. But with things like traps, puzzles, uh, well, traps, I, I, I really should separate those, obviously, because traps, mechanical traps, typically, are kind of a, an all or nothing thing. A lot of times you're relying on die rolls to kind of figure stuff out. Yeah. But puzzles, anything that requires some level <sighs> of working it out, you know, trying to decipher things that is wholly on the player, unless you literally turn it into a die roll. And then there was no mm-hmm. reason to come up with a puzzle. You know, right. then I can say you come across a door. It has five cubes that probably need to be arranged in a certain order. They all have different symbols on them. They might mean something, make a roll. Hey, you did it going on to the next thing. Hey, you didn't right. do it. Game stops here. Well, and I can tell you the number of times <laughs> our characters got on boats, and I'm like, woohoo, tactics! And you're like, okay, I'm going to hand wave the tactics, and I'm like, uh... But everybody else on the table's like, oh, thank goodness. Because uh, I'm a because, tactics guy. By the way, not because I don't enjoy the tactics of being on a boat, but because I've seen it with this group. <laughs> again and again. Right, you're right. And then I'm the one exception, so why would you tailor a game entirely just to have me have fun and everybody else go, God, why are we doing this? And you are welcome to be as tactical as you like in that scenario, and I will do my best to reward you for it in-game. But I'm, I I can't make the game no, a tactical and you exercise, do. obviously. And I've come to understand that. And that's the, that's the challenge. But it's a really good point, and another really great thing to discuss at some point. I feel like... Um, I have board games. I feel like uh, I feel like I don't have a great answer to the puzzle problem. But one of the important things I do is try to look at ways to express it that give it some level of depth, because ultimately what I like to do is find a way to engage both the rules and the players wits to tease a resolution. Like um, if you were trying to convince a person of something and you tried to say stuff eloquently and you 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 bumble your way through a um, 
argument and you look at me and say, but my character has a charisma of 24. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if at that point I don't say that was the most moving argument ever, I'm right. probably going to require a die roll. At that point, that die roll is likely going to be pretty good. And I'm going to give you some advantage in that sure. scenario. Right. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan and proponent of people who may not be i don't have an 18 intelligence but if right. my character has an 18 intelligence uh, and and you know <laughs> and it's right. an intelligence thing you know uh you know or or characters or players who aren't very vocal at the table who happen to have a high charisma score play a face character yeah you know right right you they can try need, and meet halfway though they need a mechanical resolution you can engage them enough, but and, and say uh, you can. I believe wholeheartedly in rewarding them for being creative and being in character. But if that is just something they're not capable of, I don't think that we should punish them for not. Right. We should at least give them a mechanical resolution that says this relies totally on your. I get it. You're going to try and convince them. You can't think of anything and you're kind of embarrassed to talk in character or whatever, and you can't think of anything. So you're just going to convince him to give you the key. Uh, you're going to try F fair enough. And where I might've given them a bonus, if they tried to come up with some other thing, if they just were drawing a blank, I'm not going to penalize them because they're, that doesn't mean their characters drawing a blank. It means their players drawing a blank. All right. And, and again, sometimes people have bad days. I mean, right. it doesn't matter who you are, but I do have a player, for example, um, who who comes up occasionally in our conversations. I do have a player who <laughs> will play a character who is good at things that he isn't, because in his in, in his brain, that's the experience he wants. Yep. He, you know, so he will play the face character when he isn't even really good at forming coherent thoughts without giving himself some time. Certainly not on the cuff, off the cuff. So. Uh, there, there is a, a challenge there that drives me a little nuts sometimes because we are all of us committed to a play style that we've discussed amongst our group. And he wants to be part of this play style, but then he'll intentionally put himself in a position where he can't really engage it very well. So when I ask him to try, and I don't put it that way, I don't say, you know, dude, just give it a shot. You know, I, I, I encourage it through the situation and I role play NPCs so that it puts him in a situation, it puts him in a position where it's almost a little awkward to go. I'm going to respond with blah, 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 and try to do this mm -hmm. rather than simply talk back. Uh, but still, there are going to be times when that's all I get out of him. And again, I don't want to penalize him for it because it isn't about making the game unfun for somebody that chose to do something that is beyond their you know, when you're right down to it, one of the great things about playing adventure games is that we get to do shit we don't get to do in real life. I've never cast Fireball in real life. I would love... There are lots of rooms I would like to walk into and just say, Fireball! Start, start fireball, fireball! Fireball! fireball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many board meetings have you been in your life <laughs> where you were measuring the room with your eyes going, what is the volume I think of it's this time room? to move the goalpost, guys. <laughs> huh... I, I, I can like honestly that. say that I have been in a board meeting before where I was measuring the room with my eyes, calculating the volume so I could <laughs> see if I could safely get in one because I was that bored. So I, <laughs> that's why they call them a board meeting. You see, but, I mean, <laughs> lightning bolt bounces, you know, if it has to go to the ace floor. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who well, do I cast it if it's got to go to the next closest person? Right. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
how can I guarantee? Now I'm going to do uh, so 48 minimum damage, and <laughs> but, but the really um. The really awkward challenge with that, of course, is that with social situations, a lot of the times there's a lot of wiggle room for how you go about handling a situation. With puzzles, yeah. there often isn't. I mean, right. you might have multiple multiple ways to get to a solution, but more often than not, there's only one real solution. And so getting there is an exercise of putting either your brain power or dice power to work. Well, my thought on the subject was give the players – who aren't involved in the solution, something to do while the players who are involved in the solution work oh, the solution out. Hence the combat situation, for example. So uh, I'll, I'll throw out an example I had. Uh, I had a – actually, I, I really – I have it right here. Um, so there were these liquids, right? And they had um, – there were uh, – and they were um, – they were primary color liquids, Okay. Right. It was uh, red, yellow, blue, mm-hmm. and they there were uh, sorry, there were primary and secondary colors. So, but anyway, um, there were liquids in, and there were ewers to fill. Right, mm-hmm. and you had to fill the, the sorry the glasses with the ewers. Right, and there was a specific way in which you had to fill a colored glass with a specific colored liquid, but it wasn't, and it was literally you had to fill it with the opposite colored liquid. On the color wheel. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Not a huge puzzle, but whenever you did it wrong, depending on (laughs) how far off on the wheel there was, these shadow shadow creatures would emerge from the wall. So, and the farther you were away from the color you were supposed to have... So red on red would be a bad idea. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, a red on red would be three shadow creatures, right? So... (laughs) And the problem that I ran into... I like this in-character image. You know, you really boned that one, didn't you? (laughs) The problem I ran into is the guy who loves to do the puzzles and who primarily insists on doing the puzzles, every time these creatures would come out, would stop working on the puzzle and fight the creatures. (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) You broke my plan. (laughs) (laughs) And it's... And it was like, that's fine, but you're all going to die because you're not working on the puzzle. <laughs> and and it took some of them nearly dying for me to – and me going, you know, the the glasses and, and the ewers, they're still there while these things are, are, are fighting you and, you know – Hmm. You you have an innate sense because you do this kind of thing for a living adventurer that if you solved the puzzle, the shadow creatures would go away. And so it really took after a few rounds and it was getting late and we were running long and, and it, I almost had to come right out and say, just solve the fucking puzzle. Right. Because if you don't <laughs> solve the puzzle, you're all going to die. And you insist on being involved. You're, it, look, they don't need you in the combat. I know you think they need you in the combat, and I know you want to be in the combat, but if you want puzzles, you need to solve the fucking puzzle, or your f- friends are going to die. Right. Your, your and, instinct and I, as a gamer is to get into the fight. Get into you the can fight. Yeah. give them a warning by having something almost break one of the glasses and give them a sense of urgency to get that puzzle solved while there's still a way brilliant. to solve I wish, it. I wish I'd have thought of that. Additional um, pressure. <laughs> They're, they're in the middle of a, the, the adventure that I've got them on, the campaign arc I've got them on, because this isn't a heavy, this didn't 
wasn't intended to be a heavy role play game. This was just going to be let's have fun with dungeon right. crawl classics and tropes and whatever pretzels and beer game. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's turning out to be a heavier role play game than we thought because I am who I am and they are who they are, and right. we fall into patterns. And I'm like, well, okay. So I've got this kind of overarching formation of this kind of ABC quest kind of thing going on, right? But there's also role playing going on because I can't not. Right. I can't not. It's just who I am. And so now there's these well-developed getting, – getting better developed factions that are showing up and plots and objectives and counterplots and counterobjectives and complications. And But the, the overarching thing is that they are um, trying to undo a curse of plagues. A demon has cursed a land with plagues because he was attempted to be bounded. Or he was – somebody attempted to bind him and he uh, was not in fact bound. And so, but demons play by rules. They have to because they're demons. And so um, there has to be a way to undo the plague or to stop the plagues. And there are nine plagues and they have to take these stones and do things. They have to figure out which stone to use in which. But the first thing they had to do was place one of these stones in a cradle. Now, the cradle was on top of a 150-foot pillar (laughs) of stone on top of a peak, right? (laughs) There are eight players in the party one of them is a thief none of them flies the warrior (laughs) is carrying the stones the the guardians of this pillar attack now the guardians don't die when they're they're made of stone and when you kill them they actually combine and become stronger because they they crumble into stones pull up and become and Again, the puzzle solver who is playing the wizard and a warrior, uh, and that warrior was carrying all of the stones, was like, we have to fight these until they're dead. There is a 150-foot peak right there, at the top of which is a cradle, which stops this curse once the stone is in it. The warrior is carrying the stones. The thief is trying to hide and backstab things. And I'm I'm like sitting trying just just trying to point out that you have one one character in your party who can because I try and make sure there's a there are challenges for everybody. Sure. You have one character in your party who's got a chance of scaling that wall without dying. One. Just one. <sighs> this is math. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, Eight minus seven, that's one. <laughs> so there's, I guess, there's different ways to present um, situations. Well, gosh, I mean, what's the answer there? You wanna, you wanna create impressions that speak to the people who are most capable of dealing with the situation. I guess. Sure. So maybe at that point, when you describe, uh, especially if there's no initial response to it that that is logical, you know, okay, so the guy in this in this situation who's playing the thief is not even thinking about that climb, right? You know, um, you when when one of the monsters throws him against a rock and he falls at an angle and looks up and sees the dizzying climb to the height of that. You call it that when you describe it as the DM. And you see, you note that that dizzying climb all the way to the top of that actually throws you for a second, but you get up and you clear your head. Right. You know, I don't ever tell my players what to think, but I try to give them all the information I can to get there themselves if the world, as I described it previously, isn't doing the trick. Right. But, you know, you can't, obviously, you can't make them drink, right? I mean, all you can do right. is, is get them there. 
And that's the thing is that I'm, I, I think, I think that I've started conditioning them to understand that the solution isn't killing all the things. Mm, that's a hard and one, that's isn't the, it? Yeah. And that's the thing about this. All nine of these plagues, my whole thing is that I, I think, uh, I, I think out of the, the, I've got one where the solution is killing the thing. One. Yeah. And the rest of it is, those things are stopping you from solving the problem, and if you can solve the problem, those things go away. And by the time <sighs> they get to the thing they have to kill, you will have convinced them not to kill the things, and they'll be looking for the puzzle. Isn't that so That's fine. horrible? <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the game master's fuck you. <laughs> that is delicious. <laughs> Heavy ordinance is not a problem. That uh, is not but, an issue, man. But but coming to but at that point. You know, I I don't think that, yeah, I really don't think it will be because most of them are going to be trying to kill it anyway. Maybe one of them is going to be running around going, but what do I have to solve at that point? Like Barney Fife, but Ange, what do I have to solve? <laughs> we, had you know? this, uh, we had this scenario uh, a couple weeks ago where uh, my, my daughter is running a game and we get into this dungeon and we've been warned before we go into this dungeon. It's this place where like these old cursed items are and stuff. Don't carry anything out of this dungeon. Don't rob it. In other words. Yeah. Which our characters are, are bound to absolutely ignore because um, not not we're not necessarily her, uh, murder, her, murder hobos, but we are greedy fucks. So they're the, we're pirates. I mean, you know, y'all y'all got bills to pay. <laughs> kind of comes with the character. <laughs> uh, so we're in this dungeon and we've been picking stuff up as we go. Not a, not not huge things necessarily because we always talk about how we're not supposed to take anything. And a lot of it's like people are grabbing stuff when nobody else is looking. And, and I think everybody at, everybody at the table knows what's going on, of course, and is, is giggling about it. Then we get to this final um, encounter with this boss who's, who, who seems to be suggesting that we have violated, you know, his place, blah, blah, blah. Richard's character is the one over there going, you guys, we're not supposed to take anything. <laughs> we're not supposed to take anything. You know, put the stuff down that you took, and maybe we won't have to fight this guy. And everybody else is drawing their swords like, and we're like, screw this you. This 50 gold piece gym is mine, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, they they <laughs> also were under the impression that I had been mind controlled at that point. Yeah, it was yeah. a beholder oh, yeah. type thing. So we were pretty sure that he, obviously he was acting out of character. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't take and your huge glowing gauntlet of, of glorious power, but I did take this little gem. But it's mine. <laughs> you know, it was funny and, and and the the most ironic thing about that scenario i mentioned this like the following session is like somehow somehow we got out of there out of that dungeon after killing the guy of course we got out of that dungeon and the person who walked away with the coolest shit out of the entire dungeon was richard's character i have a teddy bear that attacks people yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just saying that if we killed the guy i'm going back for the good shit <laughs> <laughs> you know all this stuff we weren't supposed to take who's gonna stop us now yeah. Uh, the priest for of the temple of the moon. Whatever. Right. In, in for a <laughs> copper, in for a platinum. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, we're just we're just pirating our way onto the next port. Not a big deal. Yeah, well, my character found a really cool sword in a different scenario, and now I think I'm possessed. So it's possible. <laughs> I we don't yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I can't talk about that, can I? So no, you, not really. it isn't it isn't about <laughs> that's um, today's game. It isn't about what's really going on. It is all about what you think is going on. Let me tell you that. I'm not oh, saying yeah. you're wrong. I'm just saying that is what that entire game is about, what you guys think is going on. I have not had to invent much for that game. You guys do it all for me. 
My, That's uh, terrifying. Of, we, we are good fomenters. <laughs> one of one of my favorite characters that I ever played. I only played in one session. It's because I I had I had friends who were running a game and I didn't have a character in the game. So I was like, "Can I sit in?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure, sure, sure." And I, so I sit down and and I you know talked to the DM beforehand and said, "Look, I just want to. I have an idea." And he said, "What?" And I said, "Make me a magic sword. I want to be a magic sword. <laughs> I want to be a magic sword with a split personality: one elf, one dwarf. Oh, and I God. don't want to be in control." Of which one is in control of the sword. I want you to tell me. And <laughs> I will only communicate with my wielder and only by notes. And <laughs> and these two personalities have entirely different uh, powers, agendas, and they hate each other. Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> and so me and Colin, who was running the game, and Billy, who was the wielder of the sword, were the only three who knew that I was in the game at all. And people are like... You know, when's Mikey's character going to show up? Right, when's Mike, right, right. That, back then I was Mike. When's Mike's character going to show up? I'm like, I'm, man, I'm just having a fun time. Just, just listen. In the meantime, this dwarfen personality, this elven personality are having a war in somebody's <laughs> head. And it's just me and Colin. And, and there's all this other stuff going on. All the person notes, right? Just, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's and, great. And, and everybody thinks, you know, most of them think that I'm just making side comments on notes and passing it back and forth. Right. And and they don't realize that, you know, they I would make the note and then I'd hand it to Colin and he'd laugh and then he would do some stuff and then he would act like he wrote a note but hand my note to Billy. And, <laughs> and, and it was just beautiful. <laughs> so That's fantastic. That's awesome. I don't know that it could have been sustained for more than one session, though. Because right, right. Once yeah. everybody knows, it's not as fun. Yeah, the yeah. mystery is, is part of the fun. I I really feel like that's uh, that's the key to a lot when it comes to trying to get people to pay attention to the right details or think things through the right way, though, is, is controlling not just what they know, but how they know it or yeah. why they know it. You know, as the game master, all of your... And I, I can speak mostly from that angle because that's mostly what I do. But as a game master... All the, your players have to work with when it comes to interpreting the game world is what you tell them. You know, I get to, I, I have the responsibility to give them as much good information as I can. And if I am presenting a puzzle or a challenge that requires them to perceive certain things a certain way in order to even consider it, then it is incumbent upon me to create a way to do so. I want to do so in a way that's immersive and doesn't give away the the farm at the very beginning. Yeah. You know, and that's um, right. it's challenging. There's no doubt about it. That's challenging, and I I wouldn't be surprised if people have their own kind of techniques for coming up with ways of doing that. But I bet you a lot of people, especially really immersive gamers, a lot of people just avoid puzzles like the plague. Well, I I hate riddles in games yeah. because yeah. you either know them or you don't. And that's again, that's kind of classic. It's like um, it's it's the Tolkien thing. You know, yeah. it's like, well, we've we've had riddling riddling in fantasy forever. You know, our very first uh, our very first uh, dungeon that you walk into in the red box had the 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 letters on the wall O T T F S S S. What comes next? You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, let me, th- you know, E. Yep, exactly. And yeah, but but you know, y- you had to figure it out, or you couldn't do anything with it. And if you know it, you know it. And if you don't, and you it's, don't, it's over, and you right. can figure it out. Yeah. So is yeah. And, so and that's not not I, to say know, that stuff doesn't have a place, but it has. That's to what have I'm the trying right to find. Place. I'm trying to find that uh, that uh, that 
central point that uh, confluence in the game. Let me do that. <laughs> I want to find that central point, that confluence of game ability to where it is a meta game within the game, uh, but that works within the game and doesn't throw everybody else out of the game. You know, so that so that my puzzle player gets their puzzles. Um, and the other thing is that some of the puzzles that I'm thinking of, uh, and especially because using straightforward puzzles doesn't seem to be working uh, as well, because they anytime you set up any obstacle, they want to stop and go full force to, right. you know, like, especially if it's combat obstacle. Right. Um, but having puzzles that work in a more long term, and and again, I like I'm I've been taking notes as you were talking. I'm, I'm planting organic seeds about that's the word the rest I was of the puzzles for. throughout organic uh, puzzles. Something, yeah. something that they can something that they can be exposed to, and then when they they go back to oh no no they mentioned uh, a red bird back here blah 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 blah, and there's a red bird on the wall up here, and they're like, but that was three sessions ago. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it's part of the story at that point. It's part of yeah. the narrative. And so, it important. yeah. Well, we could take a page of that from video games if you think about it. Even with mechanical puzzles, video adventure games, often they'll put puzzles in a place where you don't need to solve them to go forward. Right. You need to solve them if you want some goodie or something. You need to solve them if you want some bonus or that's where to, the cool swords are. You normally, right? <laughs> you know, or to get to the bonus dungeon, otherwise people don't get to. You know, For so sure. then you got to get online and find out what the answer is. The the, the 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 puzzle thing is is very much sort of um, shoehorned into the methodology of the game, and that's probably mechanical also, puzzles are like that. And yeah, and but that's the thing, you know. The first uh, the first used Dungeons and Dragons book I bought was the Blue Book, um, and if you remember what I'm talking about, it's it, it's there there was a uh, one that was in full color, but this was the blue toned version of it. Uh-huh. But if you open it up, there somebody had handwritten. Uh, puzzle trap in on the first page. Oh, nice! They had just written it like in in on the inside cover about how there was a statue with a spear and there was a, a hole in the wall and uh, when they went in the doors would shut and blah 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 and the only way to stop the impending doom and death is to take the spear from the statue and shove it into the hole in the wall and. And I'm like, that is really complex and specific, and people are gonna die. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like and one of the escape rooms that I've done. This, yeah. This, oh, oh, yeah. That's an interesting point. Designing escape rooms has to be a really good practice for this sort of thing because oh, if I'm people sure. don't solve them, they don't get through it, right? Yeah. You know, I freaking but love escape rooms. Usually, the characters so don't die in the process. No. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You might die uh, in the story, but I mean, yeah, good, I guess good escape have rooms have too. a good story to them, though. I mean, we've definitely yeah. covered player death as a copy, as a as a topic. Yeah, player death. Yeah, episode. Yeah, we've talked about player that death? a couple times. Not not character death. We, uh, yeah. character we've death. talked about character death too, but Same we've thing. talked about player death. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so <laughs> I and and I know that the only reason because for years and years. I've shied away from having riddles and traps and puzzles. There was something inspiring about DCC and the feeling of, and, but, and so, uh, and th- it's a very old school feel and it's for a very, um, it's a set of rules for a very hack and slash metagame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but like every game, it, you know, while it doesn't have 
intensive role-playing rules, just like early D&D ed- editions didn't have role-playing Doesn't rules. Doesn't stop you from doing it. That's right. If that's what you want, then you add that in there. And that I love these rules, and, I, and it's inspired me to include a lot of those old tropes mm-hmm. um, because – just out of nostalgia and fun. And, you know, that way my son gets to experience uh, my son and Cassandra. And I don't, I don't think Scott experienced role-playing games at that time. And so uh, three of the players at the table get to see what it's like a little bit, a little taste of having these kind of things, but also from somebody who's had, because I've had years, so I don't want them to be just lame. Got it. If you don't put this spear in that hole, you're dead. I don't want that. Um, but I want them to have the experience and it's fun to watch them go through the, it's a little frustrating when the most experienced player insists on stopping solving the puzzle so that he can be in the combat. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I've been, I, we, we talk a lot about our group, of course, in our game. And, um, I've had a lot of people that I've, I've gotten over the years tell me how blessed I am to have uh, the players that I do a lot of the times. And we do have one or two people in our group who are very puzzle-oriented. It doesn't come up much because I don't focus much on mechanical puzzles and such because of that, that game-stopping problem. You know, it's yeah, like something and that, I haven't. Something that seems obvious or easy to me as a game master, and suddenly they just nobody is seeing it. You know, it's like, oh. Right. That's happening. Somebody roll a die. You know, but the that doesn't mean that it shouldn't have the uh, the option we're um we're on the cusp in the current adventure that we're talking about today we're on the cusp of a heist mm-hmm. and uh that's got its puzzle solving elements too very organically for the most part you know trying to work out how they're going to go in and de- and and get the thing and um how they're going to deal with the challenges of doing that and whether you know what the, what's the best chance of success you know what resources do they have how innovative can they be in the preparation you know there's a lot there that uh, can be fun. Uh, yeah. Some players, again, won't find it fun. Just depends on your group. You know, depends on what you got. But I know that I, I believe that mine will, will will shine just fine in that situation. And I'm kind of curious to see how it goes. I could be wrong, in which case it will not happen again. We will yeah. see. <laughs> but that's the other thing, obviously, if you don't try it, you never know. I, I think one of the cooler things that uh, players have the opportunity to do as well in game has a very similar sort of... Um, structure to it and that's players have this opportunity to bring um you know backstory and personality elements and and character constructive things into the into the narrative however they want to bring that some players do that through planning that stuff ahead and then finding opportunities to to pull it into play other people make it up as they go whatever it is your your take on it you have this ability to present those same sort of mind teasing concepts for your group to engage with and often you'll find that because it's not something that you have to do right now people really will engage and that's the thing with organic puzzles of any kind is if it isn't something that has to be solved right now and i guess mechanical puzzles too if you got the door that you need to solve the three block puzzle with to get in but you're going to be in the dungeon for five more days if i can't figure it out right now let's wander around kill some shit and see if it comes to me you know right and, and again, there are video games like that, so it's, it's not real, <laughs> real uh, innovative at that point. But, uh, but yeah. I think anything that gets people to engage with the world in more than just the two-dimensional die rolling space is yeah. uh, just an advantage. 
And whether you're a player trying to find ways to to interpret the your character's role in the world or your game master trying to challenge your players to further engage themselves in the world. You have a lot of options. I think it's 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 just a fun thought experiment to try and figure out are there reasons to have puzzles in your game and there can be you know what if they're gonna invade the crypt of the puzzle master or whatever which i just made up off the top of my head but you know what i mean what if the what if the what if that's you know they hear about the the crypt of the puzzle master and like oh i want to go do that well if everybody's all about that they cannot think reasonably that there aren't going to be friggin puzzles and now you got to figure out puzzles well right and you don't want to you don't want to nod to your players that there will never be the intense uh, must solve this now death trap in your game, right? You know that that is a trope that is part of the language of the the genre for a reason, and it's also exciting, overcoming it you know? is extremely satisfying. Yes, mm-hmm. but making the stakes clear is kind of difficult because if they if they feel comfortable, like he ain't gonna kill us. You know, yeah. Then they're then it's not as uh, it's hard. It's not as tense. I had um, like uh, you've played Dread, right? The game Dread uh, with the Jenga Tower. Yeah. The Jenga Tower. You you want to see tension? You know, at the beginning of the game, things are fine, but once you get stored towards the end of that tower and it starts getting wobbly, people won't sit near the table. <laughs> you know, they, they, they back up and they're like, you know, and, and it gets, you know, if, if somebody gets too heated, they're like, you calm down. Cause if you stomp and this tower falls, it's over pal <laughs> or whatever. And seriously, um, that's tension right yeah. there. And that's, that's a cool, interesting externalized mechanic. I want to find a way to give that tension without a Jenga tower. That's tough. Uh, we have actually a couple of uh, game masters running Dread at the online convention, which they're not obviously using a, a Jenga tower for. They're doing variations. I think they each are using a different variation. One guy said he's using a D twenty. We we talked about it on one show, and and Richard commented that he could see like if you if you use like a, you used a D thirty as an example, I think. But he's like, if you have a certain number of you know possible rolls, but every time a number is rolled, it's taken out so that if it's rolled again, it has to be re-rolled. Or no, mm. if, if you roll again, you fail. lose. Yeah, you, that you hit the wrong one. Ways to create escalation. Yeah, a in, D30. In that's a that is a great idea. That's because the probability mechanic. of failure increases with every single attempt. Right. That, that it's just mathematical. Sure. Yeah, and if you want to make it a, a broader thing, you could use a D percentage, or yeah, but if you want the it's D30, virtual, you could do a D24. D twenty eight if you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> if you do not roll twenty, you can put in whatever number Everybody you like. Everybody roll a D thirty-five. <laughs> Just how long do you want that list that you're marking off numbers on? It's a good point. But I think that over time, I mean, like for a magic item. Like every time they use a magic item, you just have them roll a die and give you a oh, number. Oh, I like you, that. I've had DMs do something down. like that before. <laughs> and if they ever roll the same number again, something bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when something bad happens. Sometimes it's more fun when something bad happens. Oh, it's always more fun. I'm like, I am going to do this because it is a dumb idea, <laughs> but we'll move the action forward. Jason can speak to that, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's my role play strategy. <laughs> it's, it's, what are it's you doing? It's often Something's so much stupid. more fun to fail. Oh, 
Well, it just depends. It's it's even more fun to do the stupid thing and succeed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? Winning. <laughs> I was well, referring to like, you know, sometimes rolling a one is cool. Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll Absolutely. describe our own catastrophes. We have if we have fun with our ones. See, I, I don't yeah, I don't I don't necessarily believe that ones are are more fun. I don't think they ruin the fun. I think ones critical fails, fumbles or sorry, uh, fumbles and critical successes both have a way to make it interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 I think in the with willing players and uh, a, a, a flexible-minded game master, you can find a way to make a critical failure something that furthers the story in a way that helps the characters progress on a dynamic character arc level. You know what I mean? But that's right. true with everything, right? I did that in a game. They were in San Francisco going up to the Ambassador Hotel and the person driving, I was still showing them how the system worked. So I had them go ahead and make a drive roll just for the fun of it, kicks and giggles there. And they rolled a one and I'm like, and they were just supposed to drive up there to make this presentation, drop people off, right? And uh, John rolled a one um, uh, and uh, John, he like would play in our Sunday game. And uh, so I'm like, oh, uh, okay, well, you, okay, uh, well, let's have fun with this. You, you drove into the lobby. Congratulations. You, you did get to the, the hotel um, and, uh, and you definitely <laughs> caused a distraction. Uh, so, all right, well, <laughs> how are we taking this? So we had fun with that. You were playing Quags for that one, weren't you? I, yeah. yes, Quags yes. Game. Yeah, Mikey knows Quags. I love me Mikey, some quags. He taught me twi- quags. Quags. I can't speak, but he taught me it. Um, I I do enjoy seeing players kind of take a little bit of ownership of the narrative in situations when things go hyperbolically wrong. I think I think oh, that's yeah, really yeah, fun. Yeah. Uh, Jason is, has been in a lot of those situations, and he even plays a character in this game. The to the game because because we, we have like three games a week. The the game he's in, the one that today. Uh, he plays a character who kept dying early, or not dying, but kept getting in the fifth edition D and D. You drop to zero hit points. You're, you know, you have to make some death saves. The third right. death save, you're you're out. So he gets to that point where he's making death saves, and he he did it like the very first combat, the very first scenario in the campaign, and his character was the first person to the bad guy, and he got dropped before anybody else even got a chance to fight. And then it just kept happening, just. S- coincidentally his character wasn't even necessarily that much more vulnerable than everybody else it was just bad luck <laughs> and so he ended up taking um a character option as he developed a character th- that is built for it's called the revived it was uh, like one of the unarticana optional items for a rogue mm-hmm. and he have taken this option that is based on the idea of people who have had these brushes with death and so now anytime that he's he, he's taken down to zero hit points and when he comes back the first thing i always hear out of jason's mouth is oh still here huh not, not not taking me yet. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it just has this yeah. kind of weirdly cavalier relationship with death. Now, not that he seeks it out, but now it's just kind of like it's happening. It's going to I happen, and it's fine. You know, my favorite was uh, it's like yeah, death got new shoes yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be a, a, that's so interesting from a character standpoint 
for example, if they were if they they nearly died and they saw the the other side and it was going to be beneficial to them, but they were informed that as long as they died, they were coming here. But if they if they died because they wanted to die, right, then they would not come here. They would go to the other place. And so every time they would be revived, they would be like Fuck. It's like, <laughs> Every time. Not because they wanted to die, because so they wouldn't run in and do stupid stuff, but then like they would die. The cop like, whose whose pension will cover his family for life if he's if he dies in the co- in the in the line of duty. But if he dies for any other reason, they get nothing, that kind of thing. Right. It's like so he, so he throws himself into the action to see it, you know, and it becomes like a hero, you know, and keeps from getting medals and stuff. <laughs> he's like, amazing. I just want to provide for my family. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. uh, Mikey, I, I appreciate you coming on with us today. I'm sorry for making this go so long. No, I'm, no, I'm this talk. Oh, no. You don't this have to apologize. Great. I don't care about <laughs> It's a long-form show. I mean, this episode will be a little longer than normal, but I'll I'll cut a little bit here and there and get it down to a reasonable He'll cut scale. out all my parts. It's good. Richard talked a little. Yeah, it gives me something to work with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you'd like to be part of the conversation in any way, definitely feel free to uh, drop us a line. Pris- uh, feedback at prismaticsunami.com is the uh, best way to reach us. Feedback at prismatictsunami.com or visit our Discord. The links for everything is in the uh, show notes, so make sure you do that. Also, the links for everything Mikey are in the show notes. Make sure you Rock visit those as well. And uh, as well as the event link for his show and for the uh, DCC Funnel game, which will have more seats. So be sure to check those out as well, and that's all coming mm-hmm. up at TsunamiCon uh, in October. So just, and just a few weeks away now from when we're recording this, just coming up pretty quick. It's been a oh, yeah. been a good ride. Time. It's gonna be a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, once again, appreciate you spending all the time with us and talking some gaming, Mikey. It was great. Thanks for having me, man. Great. <laughs> all right, uh, gonna go ahead and wind things down for today. Thank you so much for joining us for episode two hundred and thirty nine of Metagamers Anonymous. Everybody have a fantastic week. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. I'm Rich. I'm Vanessa. I was still disappointingly Mikey Mason. It's all good. Nothing all disappointing good. about Mikey Mason. Nothing, not at all. It's all good. <gasps> oh, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> well, I sit here working on my next week's game. On my days off, this is how I spend my I'm thinking as I grapple with my dice. Why do this work when they'll screw it up anyway? So I'm packing up my graph paper and books, and I just let Netflix fill up my free day. And when game night comes, I'll just and shrug and run a game without a game to really play. Who is to
screaming, help me now. And they pick his pockets clean as Jim runs in. But he's murdered by a cow, a demonic murder cow. And now for once I have my player's attention. And it's too late to be scared. And it's too late for me to care. Sure.